Well, uh, we're starting a new series today, and I'm calling this series Cool Yule. Why Christmas is the best thing ever. Why Christmas is the best thing ever. And I did get permission from the parents of these two girls to, to use their, their picture. But um, I want to talk to you about why Christmas is great. I love Christmas. I know that many of you do. I know children do. I know children do. My kids growing up, uh, grandkids now, just like all of you, the, you know, we always say, I, I, every year I hear people say, Christmas is for children. Yeah, it's for grown-ups too. I love Christmas too. Not, maybe not for the same reason. The kids, they're looking forward to the presents, right? And uh, I, you know, I, I, I like to get presents, but if I get a pair of socks, I'm, I'm happy. I just, I love everything about Christmas, the family time. But of course, I love Christmas because for an entire month, uh, or more even, we get to hear about Jesus in moments that any other time of the year we wouldn't hear about Jesus. Any other time of year you wouldn't walk into a store where you're doing your shopping and hear a song about Jesus, the Son of God, or about the Virgin Mary giving birth to the Messiah. Uh, but during this time of year we hear that. We hear joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her King. And nobody... That's an eye at that. It's like, okay, it's Christmas. During this time of year, you, you go to a store, you hear, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, and you hear the Christmas story. Uh, during this time of year, we hear uh, one of my favorite carols, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which tells, you know, it's a really, very uh, deeply theological song, hymn that tells the story of the birth of Jesus. And we hear that. And we're like, okay, yeah, people are hearing about Jesus. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love hearing those songs in public places. I love the idea that people who maybe don't know Jesus in a personal way are hearing about Him. Uh, a lot of times you hear people complain that we've taken Christ out of Christmas. And I mean, I, I, I get that. But on the other hand, during the holiday season, I keep hearing about Jesus. Everywhere I go, I hear songs. I hear songs uh, it, on the radio, on TV, and out in public. Now, is there a secular side to Christmas? Yeah, of course there is. To the Christmas celebration? Yeah, there is. Jingle bells and chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I mean, those are not about the, you know, the birth of Jesus. But you know what? They're part of the season, and the season is about Jesus. It's His season, right? We hear it said, He's the reason for the season. And the more people celebrate the season, then the more likely they are to have somewhere an opportunity to experience His presence in a, a real and hopefully life-changing way. So I, I pray and I tr I'm trusting that during this season, God will speak to the hearts of people who are far from God, who don't acknowledge God, will speak to them, convict them of their sin, draw them into a personal relationship with, with Jesus. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can do this, speak to thousands of people, maybe millions of people, every holiday season. And so this is why I say to you that Christmas is the best thing ever. It's not about the presents, and it's not about the food. All those things are great, and, and like I said, they're part of the season, and that's why they're important. They're part of the season. I don't want us to be the kind of church that complains that, oh, nobody celebrates Christmas the way we do because nobody really understands I really just want us to be the type of church that celebrates the season and encourages people to celebrate with us and 
prays that somehow they would experience the message, the story, the presence of God in a real and profound way. So for these three weeks, we're going to be talking about Christmas, why Christmas is the best thing ever. And today, uh, here's my big idea of what I want to talk to you about today. As we start today's message, Christmas is the best thing ever because it reveals that God, it reveals the God whose arms are open wide. Christmas is the best thing ever because it reveals the God whose arms are open wide. And for a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's not how they see God. That's not how they imagine God. They imagine instead a God whose arms are folded in disapproval and, and frowning, uh, looking down at us. They see a God who's angry. They see a God who is ready to get even. I mean, that's, that's the God for one reason or another that, that they've come to imagine. Either they had a bad experience in church or maybe they don't know God and that's the way that He's portrayed by some people, uh, in, whether it's in the media or in conversations. And, uh, you know, honestly, that's a God that you might hear about in some churches, maybe a, a church that has wandered really from the teachings of the Scripture because that's not what the Bible teaches. In the Bible, we don't encounter a get-even kind of God. We don't encounter a God of stern disapproval. But we encounter a God, especially in the Christmas story, who is loving, who is merciful, who is forgiving. A God whose arms are open wide. That's the God of Christmas. And so we're going to go to probably the most well-known verse in the Bible, uh, and that's John 3.16. So here's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave, <coughs> that he gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And so here's uh, what I want you to see. Three things that I want you to see from these two verses about the God whose arms are open wide. First of all, Christmas, and why Christmas is the best thing ever, is that Christmas is an expression of God's love. This verse begins with, For God so loved the world. Right? This is a... Uh, such a well-known verse that sometimes we don't really take the time to dig in and understand what Jesus said when He said, For God so loved the world. It's a common, this is a common uh, scripture. In fact, I remember growing up when I would watch uh, football on TV, um, you know, NFL. We've been following the Cowboys for years and years. And uh, so I remember watching games on TV, and there was always a, a, a guy, and some of you older folks might remember this, there was always a, a, a guy, a man in the stands, and he always learned how to position himself. So, like, for example, when, when somebody kicked a field goal and they showed the, the goalpost, and, and so he was standing behind, he would be behind the goalpost, and he was always wearing this wig. It was a rainbow wig. It's a colored wig with lots of, you know, lots of different colors, like an Afro type of wig with lots of different colors. And he always had a sign that said John 3.16. And every game, 
Somebody kicks a field goal, extra point is like, there he is. How does he know where to, you know, he, he knew where to place himself. And he always had this wig and a sign that said John 3.16. And then one time, I, you know, back then I was growing up, I didn't play golf and I didn't watch golf. But one time I was just flipping channels, I saw a golf tournament and he's out there. I guess it's the same guy, I don't know. John 3.16 with his colorful uh, wig. Uh, so, I mean, this is a, a common uh, verse and sometimes we don't take the time to really dig in, but I want, I want you to understand what Jesus said when he said, For God so loved the world, the love of God is what's expressed at Christmas. God didn't have to create the world, but he did. And after creating us, he could have left us to ourselves, but he didn't. And there's some people who believe that's what, that's what he did. You know, a lot of the, the founders of our country were deists. Most of them, if not all, were deists. They, they, they believed that, that God created the heavens and the earth, but then, you know, he left us to our own devices. And so we had to, you know, we have to fend for ourselves. Uh, he didn't do that. He sent Jesus into the world to show us who God is, to teach us the truth, and to save us. But why did he do that? So that we could have eternal life. Not just everlasting life, certainly that, but eternal life starts now. It's, it's, it speaks of life in abundance. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. Because that's what God wants most. And so this is a simple reason why Jesus came into this world. Because God loves us. Because God loves you and He loves me. And not just in a formal academic sense. But He loves us with a kind of love that you can feel. He loves us beyond that with a kind of love that we don't have the capacity to feel. Because, you know, our understanding of God's love is limited. It's limited because the only reference that we have for God's love, the only reference we have to understand God's love is human love. right? And human love is so limited. And even then, we only understand human love in increments. As we grow older, a, 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 a child uh, understands love from his parents, you know, a, a baby, a toddler from his parents and pretty, pretty much nothing else. And then it expands to, okay, my siblings love me too, right? So uh, you don't expect a, a, a toddler to understand the love of a grandparent, right, for his grandchildren. He or she can't. They don't have the capacity Right, But then as they grow older, they begin to understand a little bit more about love. And then they get into middle school and they fall in love. And high school, fall in love. And we're like, that's not love. But we were there. We did the same thing. Come on. We did the same thing. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we thought it was love. Then we come find out, no, it's not love. Right? And then you meet somebody a little bit older and you're more mature. You have the, the capacity to understand love a little, you know, romantic love a little bit better. And then you fall in love with somebody and then you think, I'm going to marry this person. I couldn't love this person more. But you marry them and then, you know, you realize in five years, I do love her more. I didn't think I could or him, you know. So, and, and then you have the love for children and, and then the best love of all for grandchildren, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, we're, we're learning about that. Uh, we, there's certain uh, aspects of love that we don't get yet, that we don't understand yet. And so it makes sense that we don't really understand the way that God loves us. We, we kind of do. We, of course, the scriptures tell us. 
But the only point of reference we have is human love. This is why it's so important as we read the scripture to understand what God says about his love. Look at Zephaniah 3.17. Zephaniah 3.17 reads like this. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's an expression of love, of God's love. He will no longer, because of his love, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Again, that doesn't mean that that God's love never rebukes us, but God was trying to get his people to understand his love toward us, toward them, because they were going through a difficult time. He's talking to a remnant here. They're going through a difficult time doubting God's love. He's trying to tell them, look, in my love, I rejoice over you with singing. And that's what Christmas demonstrates a God who takes delight in us, a God who rejoices in us, who even sings about us. Can you imagine that? Can you try to fathom that kind of love? Jude 1, Jude 1, and I'm reading from the uh, contemporary English version, reads like this, from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to all who are chosen and loved by God the Father and are kept safe by Jesus Christ. So we're chosen and we're loved. If you put that together, we're chosen to be loved. That's why He chose us, so He could love us. So our first calling, our first calling as as Christians, as children of God, is to enjoy a relationship of love with God. That's what we're called to do. He has chosen us and called us to love us. So we're chosen to enjoy a relationship of love. So our relationship with God is not uh, primarily, uh, or our our, our relationship is not primarily a relationship of responsibility, even though that's very important. It's not primarily a relationship of following rules or regulations. It's not primarily a relationship of filling a certain role. Uh, All those things are, are important. They're part of the plan, and it's certainly not about a ritual, approaching God through rituals. What kind of relationship does God want us to have? He wants us to be His workers? No. Even though we're called to be co-workers. His citizens? His slave? His servant? No. His soldiers? No. He wants us to be the creation that He made to love, to have a relationship of love. I found a quote by C.S. Lewis. Many of you know who C.S. Lewis is. He was a a British author and um, lay theologian. And so he, he wrote this in a book called Four Loves. He said, God who needs nothing loves into existence holy superfluous creatures in order that he may love them and perfect them. So he, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need, need us, didn't need to create us, but he loved us into existence, loves into existence, holy superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. And I want to tell you, that's the God of the Bible. That's a God that Jesus came to reveal and to show us. A God whose arms are open wide to us, are open wide to the world. Secondly, we read in this verse that Christmas is an expression of God's generosity. It's an expression of God's love, but it's also an expression of God's generosity. For Jesus said this, For God so loved the world 
that he gave. He gave. What did he give? He gave his only begotten son because that's what we needed. He gave to us what we needed the most. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, we read in Luke 2 that they said this, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to whom? To you. Right? He was born for us. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the angel told the shepherds, a, a Savior was born to you. Right? Some real important things here. Uh, first of all, he was, he was born as a Savior, but He was born for us. He is a gift for us. And this goes right along with what Isaiah prophesied when he said, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And here the, the angel confirms that he, he said He was born to you. And He gave us a Savior because that's what we needed. Because we need to be saved. Because sin has separated us from God. In fact, the prophet Isaiah also wrote that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each to our own way. Every one of us, we've gone astray. You can't say, oh, not me, I kept a... No, you've gone, we've all gone astray. We've turned to our own way. Paul wrote to the Romans and he said that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The truth is we don't need... The Bible to tell us about sin and the damage it's done. We, uh, we got to do is read the news and see the effects of sin on society. We can just look at our own lives even. And the lives of those that are close to us to see the effects of sin at an individual level. And that reminds us we need a Savior. That's why when the angel told Joseph that a son would be born to Mary who was to be his wife. In Matthew 1.21, here's what the angel said to Joseph. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Because he will save. That's his name. Jesus means Savior. Jesus means Savior. And that's why Jesus was born, because we needed a Savior. And not only the angels call him Savior, they call him Christ, which... Uh, Christos is a Greek translation of the word Messiah. So he was a Messiah. He came as a Messiah. Uh, he came to liberate. He was the anointed one of God who came to liberate. Uh, he was God's anointed liberator. So he came not only to save us from our sins, but to lead us in a life of, of victory, a life of freedom. Because let's face it, we're, we're a people that are bent toward captivity. We're bent toward captivity. Many people are slaves to their past. Some are slaves to their fears. Some are slaves to addiction. Um, some perhaps are slaves to wealth. Some could be slaves to poverty. Some could be, some could be slaves to a, in a destructive relationship. I mean, we're bent toward captivity. And I want you to know that Jesus came to set you free. He came to set each of us free and to fill us with victory because He is the anointed Messiah, the anointed liberator. And so the angels also called Him Savior. Uh, they called Him Christ and they called Him Lord. He's Lord. They were saying this little child 
that has just been born will grow up to be more than a man, more than a prophet, more than just a, a good teacher. He's going to be somebody who's going to be worthy of our worship and our praise. That's why the Bible tells us the story of the Magi who came and when they entered the house where he was, he, uh, this probably was a couple of years after he was born, when they entered the house and they first saw him, they bowed in worship and they opened their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh because he is Lord. And so God gave us more than, what I'm saying, God gave us more than just a, a man to follow, a baby to celebrate his birth uh, in December. He gave us himself. He gave us Jesus, who is a very essence of God, a perfect representation of God, because that's what we needed. So in Christ, we see the God whose arms are open wide. Christmas is an expression of God's giving nature. He gave us exactly what we needed. A Savior, a, a Liberator, the Messiah, Christ, and the Lord that we worship. So this leads me to the third thing, the final thing I want you to see here, and that's this. That Christmas is an expression of God's mercy. Christmas is an expression of God's mercy. Regardless of what you might have heard from critics of Christianity, and they're out there. Regardless from, uh, uh, of what you might have heard from a, a few misinformed uh, people, God is not out to get you. He's not out to get us. He, just, he doesn't want to judge you or condemn you or punish you. Uh, a lot of times that happens when people reject God, but God's desire is not to do that. In fact, look at John 3.17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. So a lot of times you think, oh, God's just up there condemning, like I said, frowning, His arms crossed, looking down at us, condemning. No, He didn't come to condemn. He didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. He, he sent His Son so we could all have a, a second chance or a second, second chance whenever we need it. He's a God of mercy, and Christmas, Christmas is an expression of God's mercy. You know what mercy is? Uh, mercy is when you show, uh, or let's say when you um, show compassion or forgiveness towards someone, when it's within your power to punish them or to harm them. When somebody shows you compassion, somebody shows you forgiveness, Somebody that has a capacity and they have the authority and it's within their power to punish you and to harm you and they don't, that's mercy. God could punish and condemn each and every one of us here this morning, but He has chosen instead to offer us life in His Son, Jesus Christ. To everyone who reaches out, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Paul wrote to the Romans, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's important because in that same book of Romans, Paul had said that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we don't deserve, we don't deserve it, but we can receive it. And Christmas reminds us that God's mercy is extended to all who receive it. I love uh, King David's words in, uh, in Psalm 103. Psalm 103 Verses 10 through 12 reads like this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or 
Repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Why does he say as far as the east is from the west? Because east and west never meet. North and south do. But east and west never meet. So as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. He doesn't treat us according to the way our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That's the God of mercy. That's the God of Christmas. I'm going to close with this. Yellow, the color yellow is regarded by many people as a color that represents loved ones, either loved ones that are away or maybe loved ones that are missing. Especially with a yellow ribbon. Have you ever seen people tie yellow ribbon around different things when somebody is away from home? Maybe a family member in the military or maybe somebody is lost. And the idea goes back to a story that has been told many times with, with varying details. Um, and this story, when I looked this up, it's just so many different versions of this story. But the one that really has stuck the most the story that has stuck the most was a story that was actually sung by a man uh, from New York. Uh, his name was Tony Orlando. How many of you remember Tony, some of your older ones? Tony Orlando, and he had a, a group of ladies who sang with him called Don. So it was Tony Orlando and Don. Uh, his act, uh, Orlando was, one of his act, it was actually one of, his, one of his names, Antonio Orlando something. But he went by Tony Orlando. And so if you know this song, he, he told this, <clears throat> the name of this song is Tie a Yellow Ribbon. And he, he tells this song, he sings this song from the point of view of someone who has done his time in prison. And he's been gone for three long, year, three long years. And he wants to go back to his girl, but he, he doesn't know if she will welcome him back after being in prison for three long years. So he writes to her. And he asked her to tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been three long years. Do you still want me? Then Don is, still want me? You know, in the background doing all that. So um, he grew up doing, you know, doo-wop music in New York and all that. So, but, so he writes to her and tells her, if you still want me, tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been three long years. Do you still want me? If I don't see the ribbon around the old oak tree, I'll stay on the bus. Forget about us. Put the blame on me. All right, so he's, he sings this whole song. It's kind of a corny song, but it's a big hit. It's a big hit. I made the mistake of looking it up this week, and then it got stuck in my head. I had to listen to some worship music to cleanse my soul. <laughs> so, uh, so he... He's coming home, and he tells a bus driver, uh, you know, I can't look. Would you look for me? And um, he asks the driver to check. He's afraid. And to his amazement, he says, the entire bus begins to cheer. They all know the story because they saw that there were a hundred yellow ribbons around the tree, a sign that he was welcome. Every branch of the tree was covered with ribbons. So he would know from his love, my arms are open wide to you, all is forgiven, you can come home. Okay? Don't look it up. It's a... 
That's really a story as old as time because it's a story of God. The story of God. Jesus emphasized this story when he told the parable of the prodigal son. Parable of the prodigal son who left home and, and even after he misused the money, his inheritance, and he wasted it on wild living and women, wine, women, and song. When he came to his senses, he came back home and his father was waiting for him with arms open wide, looking out for him. And that's the Christmas story. That's why Christmas is the best thing ever. Because Christmas tells us that God has covered every branch of the tree with hundreds of ribbons to let people know, my mercy is still good. My forgiveness is still strong and my love hasn't ended. My arms are open wide. So like the father of their prodigal son, God the father stands with his arms wide open, offering forgiveness and mercy and offering a love that we really can't comprehend with our limited understanding. God loves. God gives. God forgives. That's why Christmas is the best thing ever. That's why Christmas is so awesome, so cool. Because God loves. God gives. And God forgives. And maybe today you're here today or maybe those of you watching online will maybe be listening to this later in the week on a podcast you just need to be reminded that God's arms are open wide for you they are there is no sin he will not forgive when you when you repent when you confess your need for God and I want us to turn to God today as we as we conclude with a prayer and then we're going to approach God and worship and This will give us an opportunity to turn to God and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your strength. Whatever it is that you're going through, ask the Holy Spirit to apply this to your specific need right now and know that God is right there for you with his arms open wide. Would you bow for prayer? Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity you've given us to see once again your love. And it's true, God, we, we don't really comprehend uh, your love. Our, our minds are incapable. But we know that it's a love beyond any love that we've ever experienced, that we've ever had expressed toward us. And we know it's, it's a, a, a love that is demonstrated by your arms open wide toward us. In loving us and giving to us and forgiving us. Lord, I pray for those that today are listening to this and are thinking, I, I just need a God like this. A God who will not condemn me. Your word says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I pray that If somebody hasn't made a decision to follow you, hasn't made a decision to to give their life to you, that they would choose that right now so they would no longer be under condemnation. would be forgiven. would be set free. We thank you for your love, Lord. And we turn to you right now. In Jesus' name.